Hi. Hello. Welcome back. To... Oh, <laughs> shall we say it together? The Grad, Grad Student's Guide, Guide to Murder. Murder. That was weird. Let's never do that again. Now we know why people don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> we really should get um some intro music. It's time. Oh, I talked about that too. Yeah. Oh, man. Are you surprised that nobody submitted an intro song for us? Yeah, come on, guys. I am Let's shocked. Go. We have so <laughs> many fans and listeners. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, you should you should make something. I tried. It was good. It was good, but it was, like, too epic. It was weird. <laughs> it, was, it was too good. It <laughs> this was podcast like this, is not worthy. This intricate production of stuff. That yeah, was, uh, I mean, just just like do a little less. Just like take away a couple it's of things. It's gotta be like catchy. Like they hear it and they're like, oh, here comes the podcast. You don't have to be Travis Scott with it. It, was, like, tra- you can just do- it was like we were in another dimension. <laughs> Didn't Wasn't there like a ping pong ball noise that you had? I, that, that was the like default. Yeah. And I couldn't take it off. Oh, okay. That was, <laughs> that was not good. I know. <laughs> uh, but the, the rest of it. Yeah, I mean, all right. We should just like play it. Can we upload it? I don't. I don't know if I you didn't save it. it. Oh man. Okay. I think I deleted that uh, software I was using too. Oh, that's right. You had like downloaded something even to make it. All right. I go. I go hard. Go home, Mm -hmm. man. That's true. Go all in. Uh, what's up? We gotta talk. (laughs) It's a podcast. You can't be silent. Things have to be said. (laughs) Um, I got a lot to say actually then, uh, let's hear it um i don't i was just saying that to give myself time sure we, we got some things we can oh, talk about i guess we should explain why we're several days late um because we usually record wednesday night for like a thursday morning upload or like late wednesday night and this week we were celebrating social distance style in a park because our friend passed her phd qualifying exam which is always exciting yes huge deal yeah um, so congratulations to her. She doesn't listen because she doesn't like murder. So this is just a shout out into the void. <laughs> it's a ghost follower. <laughs> <laughs> She's supportive, but not, you know, not an not audience subscribing. member. Supportive, but not subscribing. Yeah. Yes. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to um, support people, subscribe. Let's go. Okay. So it's a numbers game. And then on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, we were just too busy and lazy too so here we are sunday night end of the week busy and lazy is a normal uh thing Mm -hmm. i feel like yeah that's a normal combination that's the grad student part of this grad student's guide to murder podcast like you get to it when you get to it yeah right that's that actually explains like the duration of a graduate degree of like oh when are you gonna finish like however long it takes to do that's the answer right which we've already talked about. We've covered this. I'm not going to relaunch that. Look it up yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Go listen to a previous episode for why you should never ask your grad student how long it's going to take them to finish. And if you can't find it, if you don't know which episode, too bad, listen to them all. Binge them all. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't, but you should. I listen to like two minutes of myself talking and I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> That feeling is mutual. <laughs> you also listen to two minutes of me talking, and then you can't stand it. Is that what you're saying? I'm. I'm not gonna say anything. I. I think you have a great voice. Oh, thank and you. And I think that's that's part of the reason I want to start this podcast because I knew you would sound because so great. Because of my voice. Yes. You want to listen to this podcast because of my voice. I'm flattered. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> 
Reminder, we don't edit, so when we make a mistake on here, we're like, ugh, well. Who said that was a mistake? Oh. <laughs> Your face just now. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, what else? How How is your week? Um, I, I like that I always ask you that, and I live with you and spend every waking and asleep moment with you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not like, hey, by the way, right now, my week is going great. <laughs> I know, I can just tell. Um... Okay, tell yeah, tell our listeners how your week went. Um, pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Um, I mean, it's been a little uh, stressful because I haven't got gotten much done this week, mm-hmm. and then I decided for some reason today I was going to do everything I wanted to do in thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, is this when you were like? This is when I could, my brain <laughs> could not put a sentence together. On a Sunday afternoon when you were like, let me perform every statistical test known to humankind on my data. Let's learn statistics while there are eight NFL games going on in the background. And you you didn't even need to. It wasn't for any of like your projects. I was doing something that I have to do for my work. And you were like, I haven't done that. Should I do that? Let me do that. And then you immediately (laughs) did all of those tests on your like 6,000 data points. Without knowing how to do it. I didn't even I didn't even type it into a Google search. You kept like, saying this I... code makes no sense, and I was like, "Yeah, if you if you like, I could explain the code, but yeah, but you you did something right, like you I got did. something out of I, it." I actually now set it up to where tomorrow, when I start working on it again, mm-hmm. I know what to do, and I'm just gonna do it. That's a huge win. Like that's all you can ask for in a work day. Yeah. Imagine knowing what you're going to do when you work. <laughs> I can't. That's too far-fetched. Woo! I think... I don't know if this is, like, the the grad school... The grad school? Um, or the pandemic. But when I am The grad school now, is an entity in itself. <laughs> and yes. It really is. When I'm working on, like, my data and doing my project... I'm all over the place. Like, I do one thing and then I don't finish it and then I start coding over here and typing up this portion of it and then looking up this and then reading this portion of the paper and I'm like this isn't a productive working strategy it's because one if we were to create the um schedule for ourselves like okay I'm going to do this and then once I'm done doing that then I'm going to do this the problem is when you start working on something you realize that you way underestimated whatever it is you're going to work on Mm -hmm. so you have to just you can't schedule ahead of time. It's almost impossible to predict. And there's so many things in grad school because of the subject matter Mm -hmm. that you might be working on something and then go, Oh, I should have read this paper. Yeah. And then you try to find it, find that paper. You start reading it and you realize, Oh wait, no, maybe I should read something else by Mm -hmm. this author. Cause I don't think this is covered. And then you just go down this like crazy rabbit hole of what am I working on? Am I, am I doing research? Am I looking at my data? Am I, writing it's all of those are you okay bagheera <laughs> why is he looking like i don't know point? hold on what's wrong all right uh we just took a five second break because bagheera was losing his mind over there he's fine i don't know what he wanted anyway <laughs> i don't know what we were talking about <laughs> um oh the endless rabbit hole of like work yes 
It's true. You're right. Like, you start doing something, and then you're like, oh, okay, I need to look this up first so I can say this. And then you look that up, and you're like, oh, wait, that means this part of it is wrong. And so you're just always playing catch-up all day long for five years. Um, and it's frustrating. Maybe that's not everyone's experience, but that's certainly my experience. And it sounds like yours, too. Well, and there are certain things that we're learning as we go. Yeah. I, I feel like if you... Self-teaching as we go. Right. If you sort of had all of your background information that you needed and then you just went to, and then you just started working and you mm-hmm. had tasks to complete. Imagine trying to do that. I mean, I'm sure this is pretty much any job, right? I mean, I'm sure you'd, most of it is pretty much learning on the fly. Yeah, but jobs provide training for you. And grad school is, at least in our field in this country, because grad school can mean like different things depending on where you go and what your program is and stuff. But in our department for like a geoscience degree it's mostly like okay like go do a research project yeah learn something become a trained geologist and i think that there's a level of thinking from the department Mm -hmm. that thinks that they're that they are training yeah like the coursework they believe okay this is training yeah because you know when i got into grad school the word school was important to me Mm -hmm. when it came to what I was signing up for. Yeah. And I think that part of it is a little bit neglected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, a seminar about like where you're, you know, reading papers and discussing them and the person who's teaching is your fellow grad student. Yeah. I don't consider that school. I consider that more of interest in a topic that yeah. we want to just discuss. Mm-hmm. It's a but, discussion. It's not like right. a class. And I think, In graduate school, I mean, this is a higher level education. You want higher level education. You want someone who's an expert to go in there and say, hey, this is is how you do this. Mm -hmm. This is the training you're going to get from this. These are the skills you're going to... I mean, there's so much opportunity for that. Yeah, and I understand the importance of, like, I don't know, a self-guided journey. Like, obviously... Like, you need to have independence as an adult, and you're, you know, getting a higher degree. And so we're not asking for hand-holding, just more, like, attention to what they, what the objectives are for students. Because it just seems like... And what do you want the outcome? Yeah. What do you want the outcome to be? Exactly. Think about the the outcome. Do you want the students to become better scientists? Mm -hmm. Because if you do, then you should teach them how to be a scientist. Or at least teach them the skills that scientists develop. Yeah, or, like, show them, us, like, where to get them. You know? Because, yeah, if, if you're, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's I tricky because, it obviously, we're, we're on, we're looking at it from a one-sided yeah. perspective. And I don't want to say that. Um, they should be teaching us everything because I think there's a lot of value in us being like, okay, I need to figure this out and no one else knows how to do it because it's my project. Yes. However, I feel like that will, there's always room for yeah. that. I mean, that happens naturally. Like that's what right. our project is. That's why we're doing something that no one else has done before. But you're right. Like the skills, it would just be so much more efficient if someone was like, here in this afternoon, I'm going to like take you to train you how to do Well, I just feel thing. like if I take a coastal geomorphology course, mm-hmm. I feel like it should still be a crash course into coastal mm-hmm. geomorphology. I mean, 
It shouldn't be, let's read a paper that some scientists wrote yeah. concerning... Like one specific case study. Right. I Well, I want to know, you know, what are the different uh, engineering techniques that engineering geologists use um, to, I don't know, yeah. control flooding on the coastline? Ooh. What are the, you know, how does that work? If it, Let's create a project or some kind of... Like, let's go into the details of, like, how these things work and what you do so as a geologist. this is a good time to brag about what I... The course that um, I came up with, with two friends slash lab mates. That's because that's exactly what we were thinking. We were like, our courses and seminars are just glorified reading groups, basically. Not mm-hmm. all of them, but a lot of them. Um, and you don't get a whole lot out of it. So if we could design a graduate level course on something specific where you learn how to do it, you learn the techniques, tools, instruments, how to analyze the data and like what you can use that all for. Right. And so we have like a bunch of guest experts that are going to come lecture virtually. We have, um, like lessons and activities so that we can do like hands-on training in each of the techniques and we we did that because we were like, okay, we need to learn this stuff. Let's take matters into our own hands. Right. It's on biogenic calcite. Wow. So, if anyone's interested, <laughs> let me know. But uh, I mean, I think I think this this is the thing that sometimes when I TA because mm-hmm. I've TA'd so much these past two years, I'll look through. I'll you know, if it's a course that I am not quite familiar with, I'll realize, man. These undergraduate students are learning a lot in mm-hmm. this course. And yeah. I feel like as a graduate student, imagine yourself as an undergraduate student and you're taking a coastal geomorphology course, mm-hmm. right? And you're learning all of these things, et cetera, et cetera. And then you see on this, on the, um, what's the word? Course The, the list. course list, yeah. Mm-hmm. That there's a graduate level catalog. course. Yeah, the course catalog. There's a graduate level course mm-hmm. in coastal geomorphology. The thought process in your head is, wow, if I'm learning this, this must be like an even more advanced yeah. uh, course. Mm-hmm. It's it's like coastal geomorphology, but more in-depth, more detailed, maybe more um, rigorous. Mm-hmm. And then you, if I, you know, as the grad student taking the course, I would say, actually, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. We do less learning and more talking about mm-hmm. the like you know philosophy of coastal geomorphology, even yeah. though we don't have any background I mean, knowledge in it. Is that because they think that we're already experts by the time we like you're getting a graduate? They know degree? we're not though. They know we're not. Yeah, I guess it's because there are like they can afford to do less at that level. Because we're from a variety of backgrounds. If you're an undergrad, you've taken this, mm. this, and this by the then, time you're taking this Because then technically no one would qualify and for so, the course. Yeah. And yeah. so you have grad students who study everything from volcanology to paleontology. And so to ecology in the course like that you're describing. Mm. And so to like have common ground, you just talk about papers and everyone shares like their interests and their opinions. Or doesn't. Or doesn't. Um, and you go on a field trip, maybe, because that's a fun thing to do in a lot of geology graduate courses. Um, but they're redoing our curriculum, our graduate curriculum. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're coming out with... I mean, we as grad students have voiced this, like, a lot to our department. 
it's probably been going on for years. Yeah, and so what they're doing is they're coming out with these, like, standardized graduate level courses that are meant to like actually equip us with technical skills so we'll see i'm taking one actually this fall sweet i'll report back we were going to talk about conferences yeah we pivoted pivoted. (laughs) what is this like grad curriculum grad curriculum and complaints frustration with our lack of knowledge (laughs) yeah that we could change on our own but we decide not to change it yeah well i mean like we could self-teach we do that's how we're getting our degrees yeah i mean there's so much complexity that goes into this it's like um some people go straight from undergrad like we did some people get masters some people get other research or work experience and so not everyone is coming in like a little bit behind like us right Um, I, i think the thing that this is probably just me projecting a little bit because I am applying for jobs and I am, Mm. you know, I I feel like I'm going to be one of those people who it's like, you look at my record on paper and it's like, oh, this person has a master's Mm -hmm. in geology. And, you know, I, I, I just imagine myself showing up on day one and, and they're like, oh, you actually don't know that much about this. Well, I don't, I don't think, but I think it'll be a little bit of a like, an interesting, like, I feel like there are things that give me a little bit of an edge Mm-hmm. Um, be, because of what I've learned yeah. in grad school mm-hmm. but in terms of like the subject matter of what I'll be doing there are so many people with not as much not as high a level of mm-hmm. education I guess like consider, like if they haven't done grad school yeah. and they just went straight from a bachelor's but degree to but they got that training else yeah. right so it's like you know, you're always kind of told that a master's is like the next best thing and that yeah. it puts you, a, you know, it's, it's, it gives you that, what's the word? I don't know. Yeah, that higher qualification. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, though. They need to, and by they, I mean a department or faculty, need to ask themselves what they're preparing or training us for. If it's just like a very ambiguous, like, well, we want you to, like, learn how to be an independent researcher. Like, remember? Oh, we should talk about this next time, actually. Um, our department survey and what mm. the faculty thought versus what the Oh, this is a great... Yeah, we have to write yeah, this down. I mean, that's going to be a whole other, like, 20-minute conversation. But um, to the faculty, I think the most important thing that they thought that they were providing is... Um, what was it? It was, like diversity of thought or yeah. something like that it was uh, yeah and that is so ambiguous it's like what like i'm getting a phd and i'm here to learn quote diversity of thought the grad student said like technical skill set mm-hmm. um i i can't remember i'll, I'll try and find the results of that. So, yeah we gotta ask we gotta ask yeah, the person who led that survey but I mean, if that's what they really think is most important to get this, like, vague general background as a researcher, um, then I guess that's what they're doing. But that there's a huge disconnect between that kind of, like, old guard, like, oh, you're here to philosophize, and the, like, modern day, like, no, this is what you need for the workforce, you know? Right, and I think a lot of people will argue, well, we only... We only have so many master's students. Most people are going to go on to but do academic research. Students. But exactly. Your research requires that you know mm-hmm. 
how to do these technical things. Yeah, it's not the days of Isaac Newton and Rene Descartes anymore. We're just like sitting around, like you know, just be interesting. Just thinking a coordinate system. Yeah, like, right. What if I invented calculus? Like it, we're not doing that anymore. Like these things all exist, and we need to learn them and apply them so that we can save the world. And literally. and. Go, going back to funding, mm-hmm. if you want to get funding, you better sh- you better be able to explain why your yeah. research is applicable to what is going on around us. Yeah, more important than ever, honestly. Like, oh yeah, science can't play no games anymore. No, and actually, there's a war against science. Honestly, if you think about it, yeah, the war so, science. We have to it's still the fact that, the fact that we have to defend why science is important is a little bit strange. Yeah. You know, you can't say climate change in certain publications, like certain federal publications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. What do you say instead? Like, what euphemism? Climate. Can you say climate? How can you not say climate? I don't know. It's not weather. They're, they're two different you definitions. Could, do you just say, like, variation in patterns or something? But variation in what kind of pa- Climate patterns. Climate patterns. <laughs> that means climate change. Uh, I don't know. Uh, murder? Yes. <laughs> okay, well, before we get to that, let's talk about what we saw oh, yeah. the other day. <laughs> we saw this and we were like, oh, we have to tell our listeners. So hopefully you guys appreciate this. It's so dumb, but it's funny. I mean, I can't remember what we were doing. We were... But we were parked... In a parking lot. We were parked in one of those complexes where there's like, I don't like know. a shopping mall. Yeah, like n- shopping n- not center. A mall. There's like a CVS and a bunch of, you know, a bunch of crap like that. And one of them was a Chick Fil A. And so we're parked right next to where they have the, um, like curbside pickup. I guess. Um, that's what it looked like. Or like. Or they bring it out They to were bringing something. something out to this person yes, in a car. like Sonic style, where, like, they had, like, the trays of food that they were... And so this... The, the Chick-fil-A employee is carrying out a tray of food. Her, like, the fourth one to this guy, which, like, whatever, you know. Got, maybe got a family it, it seemed whatever. Like, yeah. But it was a lot. And um, we see her carrying these jugs, like, gallon, gallon jugs. Yep. And I was like, what is that liquid? Because it looked like, um, not edible. Like, it looked like... It looked like gasoline. Yeah, it looked like gasoline or something. And she hands him this jug with her hand, and he grabs it and proceeds to lick the entire outside of the jug from, like, bottom to cap. He, she handed him, like, four or five. It turns out, I think we figured this out later, it was Chick-fil-A lemonade. I didn't even, like, do they sell lemonade? They do like 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 you can get like, like a, a well cup like of a lemonade. fountain right. I didn't know you could like stock up on Chick Fil A lemonade. Is it special? Like, do they make it or something? I don't think so, but I guess they <laughs> really like it, and they're like for some reason it tastes better. It tastes better when you lick the outside but of a closed jug can, of lemonade. Keep, I, I just want to also reiterate this point: we're in a global. Pandemic. pandemic and you're and licking jugs of lemonade on the outside, the outside. like and, like and it was sealed like it was sealed so it's not like it was like a cup that you put a lid on and it was like kind of overflowing you know what i mean like when you get was, a slushy and it's like overflowing so right. you like lick the top he was assuming it was the lemonade it was con- it like condensation <laughs> it was like cold condensation 
And so, if anything, you're licking water that has condensed outside of the cold beverage. How many surfaces, hands, detritus has detritus. this has the outside <laughs> of this viruses has the outside of this container touched? Right. Why? And what is this liquid <laughs> substance? I really on- want everyone to picture though, like. Like, this guy just licking the exterior okay, take, of a plastic jug. Take an ice cream cone <laughs> and replace it with this gallon jug. Sealed gallon jug. Of Chick-fil-A lemonade. And, like, she was still standing there, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he did oh, it immediately. she was in shock. <laughs> she handed it to him and she was like, I would have been uh, like, is that a threat? Like, do I need to... Got talk to my manager? Yeah, is this biological warfare? Oh, oh man. The other absurd pandemic behavior gotta be the um, hand for a mask in Trader Joe's that oh, we saw. Oh, my goodness. So, in California, there's a mask mandate. So, everything outside of your home means you're required to wear a mask. Employees are. Like, it's just standard. few exceptions, like if you're exercising or... Oh, yeah. Uh, if, you're, if you're, like, outside and away from people. But any store restaurant whatever which at this point it's just it's common courtesy even if you don't believe in it yeah that, exactly you know, like, if, you're even gonna if shop, you don't believe in it well i mean there are people who <laughs> don't believe in masks like and, it's like a faith or a belief system do you believe in covid <laughs> well i mean uh no I, i'm, I'm just i'm just trying to give them the benefit of that <laughs> but here's the thing even if you like hate masks or whatever if you're gonna shop in the grocery store you're in there for 15 minutes just wear a mask yeah it's like it's like i don't know not that hard. It's, not, it's, not that hard. <laughs> it's like wearing a seatbelt. And like you just and, do it. And I've heard the argument of like, oh well, it's bad for you because you're rebreathing your. That's such bullshit. I, yeah. and, well, like, do you want me to explain to you how your own lungs? Let's put work? it this way. Let's put it this way. Let's say you're wearing your mask for 15 minutes at the grocery store, mm-hmm. and you really do believe that you're harming yourself because of it's you know you're re. You're basically inhaling whatever you just exhaled. Uh huh. Okay, let's say. Do you reuse you your toothbrush every day? Well, that's the thing I was gonna say. <laughs> There's so many things in your life that you already do that. Like, imagine getting a new glass of water every time you drink out of it. Like every sip. You're yeah, like, oh, would... I already uh, like drink out of this right. new one. It's just so dumb. Or also, it's 15 minutes. I mean, what's worse, drinking three beers or having a, or smoking a cigarette or wearing a mask for 15 minutes? What? What do you mean? Well, I'm saying like there are so many other things that we do that are have negative health effects to our body. Oh. That are way worse than like wearing a mask for um, 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, and I'm, like you can't that even we wouldn't even, we wouldn't that, even think twice about. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like you would get people be, like being like, "Oh, that's interesting." Like, I mean, let me imagine, actually look that up. Imagine saying like, "Oh, I'm not going to wear a mask because it's bad for my health," and mm-hmm. then going and eating a burger at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Right. How ironic is that? Yeah, because like. It's not bad for you to wear a mask well, at one, all. It's not bad. Not even a little bit. Just, just like yeah, pretending it by is. that logic. By that logic, what? it still doesn't make yeah. any sense with human behavior. But this lady inside Trader Joe's um, has her mask like on her chin, which I hate it when I see that because it's like you already got you it on. Just, just pull it up. <laughs> You're just already come on, it. like respect. Also, please. twice way more uncomfortable to wear it on your chin. Yeah. Then directly. Oh man, yeah. It's like it's like I don't know. I'm trying to think of some type of analogy. I can't like think of anything. A seat belt? Stupid. Um, it's like putting your arm through the seatbelt but, but not buckling it. Yeah. <laughs> like why are you do why do that if you could just buckle just the thing? It. 
But anyway, she had a kid with her. This kid was probably like seven or something, maybe a little younger, six. But yeah. um, masks are required for everyone over two, because like two or younger, maybe you don't know how to use it. I don't know, their oxygen intake or something. Choking hazard. Choking hazard discomfort. I get it. That makes sense for babies and toddlers. But this kid was like walking around, you know, what, like seven years old, I'd say. And she didn't have a mask on, so her mom had her hand over her mouth the entire time they were in the store. Yeah, the like, mom's... walking around, and her her mom is just, like, covering her kid's mouth. Right. The mom's mask was on her chin, mm-hmm. and her hand was on her daughter's mouth. Yeah. And so everywhere she went, she was, like, dragging her kid, like, by the head in a chokehold so that she her was... hand could yeah, cover her mouth. Yeah, she was basically, like, <laughs> muzzling the kid with her hand. Which maybe the, maybe she just didn't want her to speak. <laughs> maybe she was saying things. She maybe shouldn't. that's just like she was trying to give like you know like a head hug. Yeah, but no, it was clearly it was weird. Uh, which is strange because where has that hand been? Also, yeah, like, <laughs> that's the other thing. You're supposed to keep your hands away from your face, face like always. Pandemic or no pandemic? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was anyway. That was uh. It's a good one. It's funny. Got a kick out of it. But not funny. Disturbing. It's just all those things. That's <laughs> the world we live in right now. Um, um, but yeah. Just how ridiculous. Also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the number of people who probably looked at her mm-hmm. and she probably looked back at like, don't look at me. Yeah. Take your hand off your kid's face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just do, just do it. Remove, Remove your hand from your child's face. <laughs> oh my god. Imagine being that child. <laughs> no. Like, I'd be like, mom, just give me the mask. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like, do they not have the mask? Did the kid not want it? Oh man. Maybe she was doing that, like, she thought that other people, like, wouldn't notice if she was just like, oh, my kid has no mask and I don't want to show it. All right, we will get to murder at some point. We're going to get there. They can fast forward whenever they want. I know, right? This is for us. This what are you is, talking about? This is for us. Clearly, by our listener count, you can tell this podcast is for us. Yeah. I think the last thing I want to mention that we noticed recently was when we went back to our uh, apartment <laughs> to get our bikes. Uh, <laughs> we happened to notice that inside a neighboring apartment, mm-hmm. they had a... They had two hammocks set up hanging in their uh, living room, uh-huh. but they built this wood framed apparatus mm-hmm. so that they could swing their hammocks back and forth in their living room. Yeah, and it was as like a hangout. It was the extent of the living room too. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, these places are really tiny, so you can see the whole Studio thing apartment. when you walk by the window, but. There's, like, no walking space or floor space. Like, you walk in to a hammock, and the entire living room is swinging hammocks above each other. Yeah. They're, like, stacked. And it's not, like, it's not like they, they're hanging against, like, I don't know. You you obviously wouldn't hang it against the wall. But when right. I looked in, I just imagined that's what it was. Mm-hmm. But it was this floor-to-ceiling. Mm-hmm. Do you think like, people will find this interesting? No. Now that I'm telling the story, I'm like, this isn't... <laughs> it was just like, what? Well, I remember walking by and being like, what? It was definitely what you had to be at? there, though. Oh, my goodness. Are people... What is... People. What is going on? <laughs> yeah, we just told three stories of, like, absurdities that happened. Although, 
Um, the hammock is definitely the least absurd because that's in your own home and a personal preference. And also, it was a little bit weird because when we were walking by, they happened to be in the hammock and just swinging. They were both swinging like crazy. Back and forth. And we're, I don't know, it was just one of those things. We're like, oh my god. Yeah. But I could see how that'd be kind of fun. I don't see how it'd be fun to lick a gallon of lemonade on the outside. No. That definitely is like the winner for the week. Yes. That's like the shacked in a fool. For that the is week. shacked in a fool. By far, we got we can't rip that off. I don't All think right. TNT is gonna come after us. Let's get to let's get to murder, shall we? Please. Okay. <laughs> Donald Trump. Okay. Okay. If you, if you know, you know. All right. If you don't, you should look up Donald Trump saying "okay" after one yes. of his speeches. Though it's hilarious. It's yeah. Um. All right. So this murder episode nine. Mm-hmm. Is titled The Crucifixion of Margareta Peter. Margareta? Margareta? M A R G R A R E T T A. Margaret. Mar- okay. Like Margaret and then with an A. Okay. It's like a combination of like Margarita and yeah. Margaret. Margareta Peter. Cool. All right. So my source for this is from a website called Bruminate. Mm hmm. It's created by Matthew A. McIntosh, who's a journalist and historian, particularly of. Particularly. Of ancient and medieval history. Sweet. Ooh, um, is this like an oldie? Kind of. We could figure out the geologic time scale for okay. this. <laughs> the murder time scale. Uh, so this one is not written by this person. Mm-hmm. They actually, it's written by Dr. Romeo Vitelli, mm-hmm. who's a psychologist in Toronto, Canada. Is this a true story? This is a true story. <laughs> well, well, this is a this is a depiction of the story written by this person. What? Disqualified. Disqualified. Who do you think? True where, crime. How do you think? Your, where do you think your information comes from? Someone's got to write <laughs> I'm, it down. I'm just <laughs> I, I trust this person. I'm gonna make up my murder next week. Just fully make the whole thing up. It would be terrible. <laughs> All right. So this story takes place in the early 19th century in Wildesbutch, Switzerland. Ooh. Uh, so, so early in 1800s. Years. I'm gonna say that's like uh it's the same as uh last week because that was well that was late 1800s what I, the one i did so we're gonna say this one is uh end of the paleozoic is that what we're saying no, no we're gonna say end of the mesozoic end of the mesozoic dawn of the cenozoic so this is like uh the extinction of the dinosaurs yeah the dawn of the mammals yes the kt boundary mm-hmm. so to speak <laughs> everyone who's not a geologist is like shut up get on with it <laughs> Okay, born in 1794 on Christmas Day, Margareta Peter was the youngest of five daughters born to John Peter and his wife, and except for her mother's death shortly after her birth, grew up with all the love and care that her father, sisters, and brother could lavish on her. What happened to her mom? She passed away. Oh, okay. Sorry. That was the one detail I missed. Yeah. Although, I, you know, we start off saying this by like, she was well loved and this, this, Mm, and this. mm -hmm. Red flags, no. (laughs) No, not red flags, but crazy foreshadowing. Okay. Everyone, don't listen to me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen to anything I say. Everyone, don't listen to me. Don't listen to anything I say other than the story I'm telling. Okay. Raised, Raised in the Zwinglian Protestant faith, along with the rest of her family, Margareta showed remarkable religious zeal from early childhood. Even her pastor was impressed. Despite being the youngest child, Margareta had a forceful personality. 
Even the two sisters who managed to get married still deferred to her religious opinions and moral teachings, while her unmarried sisters became her disciples in every way that mattered. Okay, that's a baby red flag. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> oh, there are tons of baby red flags in this. Uh, even uh, long after the hor- horrific events that I am about to describe, this is what this is how this person <laughs> depicts this. Wait, story. you're just reading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's been a busy week, people. <laughs> I, I I detailed the source. That's well. Oh God. Next week's grad school topic is plagiarism. Everyone's like, when do we get to episode ten so that we're not listening to to him describe this? All right. All right. Um. Okay. By the age of six, mm-hmm. she was reading the Bible and summoning family members to gather around while she gave sermons. Along with regular prayer sessions, she also urged her father and siblings to live in complete accord with Christ's teachings. Even when she took First Communion in 1811, she amazed her congregation with her religious fervor and sheer joy. Sheer joy? Yeah. Wow, that doesn't often go along with that about religion. <laughs> in 1816, her mother's brother invited her to live with him in the nearby town of Rudolfingen, and act as his housekeeper. Her time at her uncle's house brought her into contact with pietists, a pi- sorry, a pietist religious community and to attend their services. The pietists were extremely fundamentalist Lutheran sect that was spreading across many parts of Europe. Unfortunately, the exposure of pietism also meant a radical change in Margaret's personality, something even her siblings found disturbing. Hmm. When asked why the normally happy girl was so despondent, She replied that God was revealing himself to her and making her more aware of her own sinful nature. By 18... Yes? (laughs) I was going to say, how old is she right now? Uh, I think she's a young child. Okay, and she has a sinful nature? Uh, Jesus. By 1817, she had left her uncle's home and returned to Wildesbuch to establish herself as a revivalist to preach the word of God. This meant returning to her father's home and getting to know three new servants who had been hired while she was away. Both servants would soon... Oh, both. There's three. Anyway. Both three of them. <laughs> the, uh, the three servants would soon play an important role in Margaret's strange crusade. Margaret, because of the epileptic seizures that she hoped would be cured by Margaretta's prayer... Oh, sorry. One of the servants' names is named Margaret. Ooh, and the main character here is Margareta. Mm-hmm. So we'll just call her... Maggie. Sir- Maggie, yes. Maggie, because of the epileptic seizures that she hoped would be cured by, by Margareta's prayers, mm-hmm. um, she basically became one of her main disciples. Okay, so Maggie, the servant, has epilepsy, yes. and she is like very loyal to Margareta. Yes. Okay. Heinrich, another one of her servants... Uh, was basically extremely loyal to the Peter family. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the reason why he became such a loyal servant. Okay. And then Ursula was asked by Margareta to be her spiritual guide through life and eternity. So she's basically like her number one servant. Like her number one disciple. All right. All right. So, her religious fervor drew people in from all over Switzerland. It was during the course of her wandering, so she began wandering about, 
that she met a shoemaker named Jacob Morph. Uh, despite being married, Morph seemed mesmerized by Margareta, and she quickly came to feel the same about him. Ooh, scandal. <laughs> Sinful. Though it's hard to say whether there was anything physical in their relationship, oh. she and Morph exchanged passionate letters that are still preserved uh, in a Zurich archive. Ooh, do we have the letters? We don't have the letters. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up yourself, people. <laughs> okay. Ooh, do you think it's anything like the letters from Oh, it's gotta face? be. Remember the ones yeah. I read last week? <laughs> um, she also announced to him that they would ascend to heaven together and would share one throne for all eternity. Morph's wife was less than thrilled by this strange relationship, though her husband managed to relieve her suspicions. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Relieve her suspicions? How? That's weird. Yikes. <laughs> Allow me to relieve your suspicions. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. In late 1822, police became alerted when Margareta and Elizabeth vanished with a tr- without a trace. Who is Elizabeth? <laughs> <laughs> Who is El- oh, I, th- I think it's one of her siblings. Oh, okay. It's got to be. He's either a sibling or servant. Anyway, they became alerted because they were gone. Okay. I love how well this is going. <laughs> After months of searching, the two women turned up on their own on January 8th, 1823. So this is a year later. Whoa, they were missing for a year? Yeah. Though Margareta was pale and visibly ill, she refused to say where she and her sister had been. Oh, yeah, oh, this is her sister. sister. Woo! This is why you don't copy and paste people. <laughs> Basically, I'm plagiarizing while trying to say that I have... I'm like, oh yeah, I'm citing my sources, but I basically just copied and pasted. You're reading us a story. Yeah. That's what you're doing. I'm reading us a story depicted <laughs> you're by... Re- you're book. reading us a story. I'm attempting to read a story. Not long after, Jacob Morph turned up at the Peter house, apparently due to a message from Margareta that the two of them would soon be ascending to heaven together. Um, that is a run-on sentence. Or that's a sentence that lacking the action so wait say the sentence again oh no i misread it god (laughs) i suck at english bro (laughs) it's your first language and my worst language (laughs) not long afterward comma there should be a comma there jacob morph turned up at the peter house (laughs) apparently due to a message from margarita that the two of them would soon be ascending to heaven together all right whatever happened to her during her absence Margareta's behavior had become more bizarre than ever. She and Elizabeth confined themselves to a single room in the house where they read the Bible and prayed almost nonstop. Mm. She seemed obsessed with earning God's forgiveness for her life of sin, not that she shared with anyone what those sins were. When not in her room praying, she would often come downstairs to meet with her followers and share her prophecies with them. As for Jacob Morph, his work and marriage soon drew him back home. In Morph's absence, Margareta's religious obsession became even stronger as Easter approached. During one of her episodes, she announced, Behold, I see the host of Satan drawing nearer and nearer to encompass me. He strives to overcome me. Let me alone that I may fight him. Interesting. She's going to fight Satan? Also, who speaks like that? <laughs> right? It's like 18-something. Also, yeah. You're going to lose that battle. <laughs> You're going to lose that battle nine times out of ten. 
<laughs> Where would Satan go on our food mascot list? Definitely could kick my ass. Yeah. I wouldn't even try. Could kick the green Jolly Green Giant's ass probably mm-hmm. too. Satan. She apparently believed that the devil would be coming to claim the souls of all humanity and that she alone stood in his way. So she she believes that she's like the only person who can combat What the about devil. Jesus? You know, where is he in all of this? <laughs> Where's backup? <laughs> you you gotta bring, you can't not bring Jesus to a religious fight. No, Come I on, mean man. I I feel like Jesus is the religious fight. Right? Like he's where's there the already. fight without Jesus? <laughs> where's yeah? Okay. With that in mind, she ordered the house to be closed up completely, with no worldly people being allowed to cross the threshold. That sounds pretentious so AF. Disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> that included the local pastor who tried to express his concern about what was happening. And given the control Margareta had over the entire household, that's exactly what they did. The fact that the local pastor's like, uh... <laughs> I think not. <laughs> She's like, shut up. Shut up. I know better than you. <laughs> I'm gonna fight Satan. <laughs> Alright. Considering the religious hysteria that had gripped the entire household... Things went pretty much as you might expect. One evening, Margaret, uh, so this is Maggie, reacted to hearing a loud pop from the fireplace by going into convulsions. Mm. Screaming that the Never devil good. had come for her, she pleaded with uh, herself. Hmm? I just don't like how it's Margaret and Margareta because I keep mixing up the two. Oh. One of them was pleaded, pleading to the other that okay. they pray to save her soul. Mm-hmm. I think Maggie is pleading. To Margareta. Mm-hmm. So this led Our Margareta heroine. to scream out, Depart thou murderers of souls, accursed one, to hellfire. Wilt thou try to rob me of my sheep that was lost? My sheep who, whom I have pledged myself to save? What the hell is going on here? Because, she, wow, she's playing Jesus. Yeah. She thinks she's Jesus. 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 Mm. (laughs) though though maggie soon recovered she continued to have seizures and the rest of the household began having religious visions themselves maggie wrote to jacob morph to come to her aid and on march 8 1823 he finally arrived at wildest butch along with two other believers um who's who's jacob he's the uh person who is uh the lover the love affair guy Oh, but Morph. Maggie wrote to Jacob? It says Margaret. I guess it should say Margareta. Because okay. I'm referring to Margaret as Maggie and Margareta as Margareta. Wow. Well, at least you can blame the right? idiots who wrote this. Like, <laughs> at least it wasn't you. <laughs> I guess they didn't edit their work. <laughs> and then with all the true believers gathered under one roof and in a state of acute religious mania, the final battle of Armageddon could begin. Whoa! Armageddon! Yeah. Okay. We may never know for certain what it was that drove saintly Margareta over the edge from religious mania to full-blown delusion. Based on the testimony of her family members and followers who were holed up with her in the Peter House in that fateful week of eight, in 1823, I love how they put that line in there, Margareta's enthusiastic prayers and fasting convinced her believers that something amazing was about to happen. Even if one or two of them were less than convinced about her holy mission, they didn't seem inclined to argue with the others. Eventually... Margareta gathered her disciples around her and reportedly said, Lo, I see Satan and his firstborn floating in the air. 
They are dispersing their emissaries to all corners of the earth to summon their armies together. Like, right here, I'd be like, she's crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on now. Right here? Like, <laughs> years ago. Her suggestible sister, Elizabeth, promptly announced that she saw them as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. She then began to prophesize that the sun... <laughs> I love what they say. She began to prophesy. Nope. <laughs> Tis not a verb. <laughs> she then began to prophesize that the son of Napoleon, the Duke of Reichstadt, would soon announce himself as the Antichrist and that the final battle would then begin. Whoa. This is like the end of... Uh, this is the end. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, after making this prophecy, Margareta went into a wild frenzy and began smashing furniture and attacking walls oh, with a hammer. No. It was at this point that the maid. With a hammer? Yeah. It was at this point that the maid, Maggie, who I guess she's the maid because she's one of her servants, because that's how mm-hmm. Margareta handled things. She just mm-hmm. made everyone her servants went into convulsions, which Margareta took as a divine sign. She cried out that, I see in spirit the old Napoleon gathering a mighty host and marching against me. The contest will be terrible. You must wrestle unto blood. Go, fly, fetch me axes, clubs, whatever you can find. Bar the doors, curtain all the windows in the house, Mm. and close every shutter. Yikes. This is not good. Convulsions are never good. No. Like, whatever that's part this, of This it, is like, medical cool. attention that's needed. People. <laughs> this is 18-something. The doctor was, like, drinking whiskey. <laughs> yeah, the doctor was like, oh. Cut off her arm. Yeah. You don't have the flu? I can't help you. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you do have the flu, you're gonna die. Oh, that's sorry. right. If, do you have anything other than a scratch? <laughs> Put some uh, isopropyl alcohol on that? <laughs> we'll call it a day. Here's a band-aid. Okay. Margareta's followers followed her instructions and gathered in her bedroom with all the tools they could find in the house. Some of them would report afterward to seeing divine visions themselves due to their their leader's fanaticism. Of course they did. She told everyone to start smashing everything in the room (laughs) until she told them to stop, which they promptly did for the next three hours straight. Whoa! (laughs) Where do you get the energy? You would leave a serious Gatorade after that. Oh my goodness. If any one of them slowed down due to fatigue, Margareta told that person to strike him, cut him down, the old adversary, the arch fiend, whoso looseth his life <laughs> shall find it. What? Oh, looseth, I guess is what she's trying to say. Fear nothing. Smite till your blood runs down as sweat. Smite is a good word. Right? Smite. Even as this was happening, a large crowd had gathered outside the Peter house, likely drawn there by the noise. Can you imagine? <laughs> so great was the hammering going on inside that part of the wall that the house fell away. Sorry, the wall of the house fell away. <laughs> it just toppled over. This allowed them to see Margareta and her followers carrying out their destruction. So everyone on the street could see into the house. Whoa. Yeah. Can you imagine a wall falling down because you're just like exorcism too hard? <laughs> Jeez. As for St. Margareta herself, she saw the watching crowd and denounced them as enemies of God. Girl, you don't know. Who isn't, though? Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess we all are. 
Once the room was completely destroyed, Margareta led her exhausted followers downstairs to recover in the relatively intact sitting room, but only for an hour or so, which was when she ordered her worshippers to beat themselves. And they did. The only exception was Margareta's sister, Elizabeth, who asked her sister to beat her instead. She said, I'm not going to beat myself. I want someone else to beat me. That's weird. Right? Yeah. I mean... Well, unless she thought, I can't do it. And then she's like, but if it has to be done, someone do it Yeah, maybe I would too. Like, imagine beating yourself. Well, I could just pretend. That's true. (laughs) My arm. (laughs) Look how horrible this is. (laughs) Okay. My leg. (laughs) Eventually, the local police decided to investigate what was happening and broke into the house since no one would allow them inside. Did you have to break in if the wall was uh... (laughs) (laughs) no longer Are you sure it's not just trespassing? Yeah, I stumbled upon their house. (laughs) Margareta went into hysterics at seeing the police invading her sacred space, but after considerable wrangling, everyone was detained in separate rooms of the house. Uh, Not separated from other women, Margareta continued to rouse them into religious fervor while while the men slowly settled down. Though the order was eventually passed down that Margareta and Elizabeth should be sent to an asylum, it would prove to be too late. Though some of the followers had dispatched home, most were still present, and when Margareta assembled the remaining family members in the upper room of the house... Um, that's, that's the end of the sentence. <laughs> Sweet. I feel like I'm giving, like, a reading comprehension <laughs> quiz, like, in, like... Yeah, so far I'm at, like, I'm at a 75%. Do it again, Zach. <laughs> Thank you. The tools... <laughs> Sorry. I can't. <laughs> the tools used to destroy the room were still lying there, and Margareta began preaching the need for a final battle to defeat the Antichrist. When her brother, Caspar... <laughs> Sorry, Caspar... Caspar! <laughs> the ghost? The ghost! Came to the house at the request of the police, Margareta attacked him with one of the tools. Mm. Finally intervening, her father stopped her and then carried his injured son downstairs. As a result, he missed what happened next. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Upstairs, Margareta asked the one still remaining if they were willing to die for salvation. Elizabeth promptly declared that she was and began beating herself. But Margareta, not satisfied with this effort, struck her sister in the head with a hammer. The others, apparently inspired by this example, promptly helped beat Elizabeth to death. Afterward, Margareta told the others, more blood must flow. I have pledged myself for the saving of many souls. I must die now. You must crucify me. Oh. Even with Elizabeth's dead body at their feet, the followers were reluctant to follow Margareta's orders, insisting that it is better that I should die than that the thousands of souls should perish. She struck herself in the head with a hammer and then ordered the others to gather wood and nails. Though the manservant Heinrich promptly... manservant? Right? Man-child. Promptly fled the scene, the others proceeded to nail Margareta's hands and feet to blocks of wood and then mounted her on the wall. Oh my god, that's like Margareta a seemed completely immune to pain, even as she was being crucified, and insisted that she would raise herself and Elizabeth three days after her death. 
Only after ordering them to beat in her skull did she finally die. Caught up in the bizarre religious delusion that had led them to commit murder, the remaining followers then quietly went downstairs to dinner. A policeman came by and had Margaret's, Margaret's father sign a writ guaranteeing that they all appear before the magistrate. Nobody mentioned that Margaretta and Elizabeth were dead upstairs, and the police policeman promptly left. What? Three days later... How do you forget to mention that? Three days later, with nobody outside the house being aware of what had happened, Ursula and Heinrich went upstairs to remove the nails from Margaret, Margaretta's body. If they, if they had been hoping that this would hasten her resurrection, they were disappointed. <laughs> Only after another two days of prayer did John Peter finally walk in into town to tell the pastor that two of his daughters were dead. Aww. Yeah. What happened after was little more than an epilogue to the whole tragedy. After a two-day trial that began December 3rd, 1823, most of the people who had 1823? been... 1823? 1823. <laughs> oh, God. Most of the people who had been present when Margaret and Elizabeth died received prison sentences. Ursula received the longest sentence, which was 16 years. Ooh. While the others received sentences ranging from eight years to only a few months. John Peter, who was a father, was sentenced to eight years in prison. Really? Wait, I was guess. he part was he doing the beating too? Or was I don't think there? so. Okay. Perhaps it might it might have been like negligence? Yeah. Uh perhaps as a way of keeping the Peter House from becoming a pilgrimage site, the judge also ordered it to be leveled to the ground and that no house would ever be built on the site again. While some pietists did manage to visit the house before its destruction, the story of Margareta's crucifixion quickly faded into local legend. While what happened in Wildesbush in 1823 is hardly the most bizarre episode of, the religious, of religious mania ever to take place, it does demonstrate how easily even the most inconceivable crimes can occur under the right circumstances. No matter how fanatical Margareta may have been, it was the people who followed her who, might, who made the choice to believe what she was saying and to act on it. With that in mind, given the new wave of irrationality and belief that seems to be spreading in many parts of the world, it's hard not to wonder how many other Margareta Peters are out there, even today, <laughs> and what new tragedies await us in the future. Wow. Thank and that's you. the poorly said... <laughs> What's the guy's name who wrote this again? This is Romeo Vitelli. Thank you, Romeo. Dr. Romeo Do Thank Vitelli. you, Dr. Romeo. Enzy, well done. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> um, she really thought she was Jesus. Yep. That's sacrilegious. Because if you're, like, devout... Play point. You recognize that there's only, like, one true Jesus. And you're not him. And so you are a follower of Jesus. You don't, like, start your own, you know? Like, yeah, you don't that's, that's a no-no. It's a no-no. You can't have two Jesus. It's a faux pas, if you will. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> Wow. Wow. The, like, self-beating thing is wild, too. I mean, it's... I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could ever be... I don't care what it is. I'll never be persuaded enough to do anything close to this. No. And so, to think that people are so easily... Were there, like... And there weren't drugs involved, too, I guess, is also I don't think so. Because in cults, you see how this happens. Because, it, you know, when there are, like, drugs passed around. So, here's another thing. I'm thinking that... Well, who knows? This is me making a huge leap here. Mm -hmm. But you tend to hear about these kinds of things uh, hundreds of years ago. 
Right. At least 200 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Where, like, people, like... But, honestly, this stuff still happens, I feel like. I mean, you have one person who is probably suffering from delusions. Do it. Say it. Schizophrenia. You know uh, <laughs> you want to diagnose schizophrenia here. Um, <laughs> who is persuading all of these people to do what they believe, which means that these people must possibly also be suffering from... Schizophrenia. Not schizophrenia, <laughs> but like... Um, I don't know, all sorts of insecurities? That's what I was thinking. Like, this reminds me a lot of when... You, well, we, we've been watching a lot of cult documentaries yeah. lately, which we should give some recommendations in a minute. But um, if you are, I guess, like looking for some type of answer and nothing in your life is enough and you feel like something is missing and you're especially vulnerable, um, then I think you might be more willing to look up to someone who claims to have the answers, like a Margareta or a Keith or a Charles Manson, you know? Yeah, or a, or a David Koresh. Or a David Koresh or a, any of those people who, you know, like claim Bhagwan. to a Bhagwan to represent a higher power and like they're speaking like for God. They need someone to tell them what to do. Like I, they need guidance because yeah. they're required. And they, that's, they, they feel that's like not need... what religion is. No. Like, I'm not religious, but I, like, respect the, like, commitment to spirituality and to a higher being. And that's done, like, out of out of respect and out of tradition and, like, trust, to uplift faith. and trust and faith. And, yeah. And this is point. not faith. No. Like, this is... This, this is, is... This is beyond this devotion. This is craziness. Yeah. This is... Yeah. This is, like, you're asking someone to worship... You and not even values or ideologies or teaching, just you and whatever you say. And so, if you say pick up a hammer and start be- beating each other, then that's what they're gonna do. And there's no meaning to any of it. Yeah. So there you go. There's the there's the breakdown. It's the post game show for you. Where'd you find this? This is cool. Um, I think I looked up. Um. 12, I looked up, like, weirdest murders, mm-hmm. and this was one of them. Ooh. Um, I like these, like, like, the good old ones. Yeah. You know? Some of the old ones are a little bit strange. Some of the old ones are, dare I say, boring. Yeah. We talked about this last time, because I also did, like, an old-timey one last week, where it's, like, sometimes it's just, like, and then he was stoned to death. Or not paying right. for the bread. And then you're like, cool. Man, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> man beats yeah. person trying to train hop. I like, like the ones that are, like, weird. Like, like you know, like kind of like a pre-culty thing like this. Or a poisoning, like last mm. week's. Um, like something that belongs in the death and dying exhibit at the museum. In yes. Houston. That was an amazing exhibit. Yeah. I hope they continue Did we already talk it. about that? I don't think we did. I don't think we did. You want to give a brief summary of what yeah. it is? Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure people who are familiar with any kind of museum, mm-hmm. they have rotating exhibits that are, you know... Yeah. What's the word? Not permanent, but... Temporary? Temporary. Thank you. <laughs> the opposite of permanent. The opposite of permanent. <laughs> and one of the exhibits that was... 
um, featured. Featured, thank you. In the Natural Science and History Museum in Houston, was the Death and Dying exhibit. It was dope. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, is there anything else to say about it other than like uh, I hope they continue and, well, I, and if I they do, you go. have to check it out. The first time I got to visit you and like meet your family in Houston, um, summer before this past summer, we went and it was still up. It was so cool because. Uh, I feel like I learned so much. I mean, it's a museum, so, like, duh. But um, as someone who knows a lot about, like, murder and, like, famous deaths and stuff, I still didn't know most of that information. And they had, like, the actual things. Like, they had some of, um, what's her name? Was it Madame Curie with the... Mary. Marie, yeah. I mean, she was a madam, but... Was that her first name? Uh, No, her first name was Marie, but her, like, title was, like, Well, that's what I'm asking. Was her first name Marie? Marie, yeah. But they had, like, some of her, um... Like, vials? Yeah, yeah. Vials of, was it radium or radon? I can't remember. Yeah, I think it's radium. But they had that, um, and, oh, like, the arsenic dresses. And they had mm-hmm. the plague doctor mm-hmm. outfits and stuff. And so it was, like, a walk through history with all of the, like, the massacres and the plagues. Well, there's all sorts and of things. Serial like, killings. Like, um... Animals that are deadly to people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, crazy had... diseases that you've never heard of. Yeah. Oh, also there's a plant section. Oh, yeah, they had a whole section like, on toxic what's poison plants. and what's not. Yeah. Yeah, what's toxic and what's not. It's so cool. And the level of toxicity, like, you know, this could cause just a rash. Yeah. Or this could cause you to, to die in a span of 30 seconds. It's like, yeah. whoa. Um, Something I found interesting, and something that I actually think is important for what's happening right now, is they had celebrity death certificates. Mm-hmm. And if you read the death certificate, there's like a section, and I, I don't know what each section is called, but you know I'll just call them, for, for our purposes, section one and section two. Mm-hmm. On section one, it'll say something like, um, mauled by bear. Mm-hmm. But the Section two, which is like actual cause of death, yeah, like would medical. be like um, blood loss or something, mm-hmm. or um, uh, what's the word? Yeah, cardiovascular mm-hmm. complications. Yeah, and like so a, a breakage of your like aortic. Right. Yeah, like it, it'll like <laughs> yeah. you could you could see you know section one mm-hmm. where it's like how they died mm-hmm. was the, the event that happened that caused them to die. Yeah. And then section two, which is the actual biological thing that's happening in your body that is resulting in your death. Yeah. And sometimes the two by themselves, you would not be able to put together. Mm-hmm. And this is important now because there are so many people out there who are saying the COVID-19 numbers are not correct mm-hmm. because they see cause of death uh, respiratory failure, and they're like, "Well, see, it wasn't COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. It was they had respiratory or like issues. heart stuff, or, or like yeah, right, or the or they died of a heart attack. It's yeah. like actually, these are biological processes that are happening in your body as a result. Yeah, of COVID nineteen. But the exactly. trigger is COVID nineteen. Exactly. Yeah, I actually good point. I saw a tweet that was pretty much exactly that. Um, this woman said that she had. She's an MD, and she was tweeting that she has a pre-existing condition. Um, I can't remember what it is, but it's some type of, like, cardiovascular thing. And she said that if she were to go hiking, 
and get, like, attacked by a bear, her cause of death would have been her pre-existing condition. Right. Um, and she was pointing out that that's what gets listed. But, obviously, she wouldn't have dropped dead from her pre-existing condition that day. Like, mm-hmm. the... If it like, wasn't for the, the bear... the thing that led to her death right. would have been the bear attack. Right. Um... And, and so that's how I think people might get confused with the COVID numbers, um, because people are, I don't want to say people, I, like, news, <laughs> news, uh, Well, we're just so channels? quick to, we're so quick to create our own decision. Yeah. Like, they said this, Therefore, this. And I've, I've heard it on the news, so I know where people are getting this. Like, I've seen it posted on Facebook mm-hmm. and reposted over and over again. And I'm like, oh, God. And I've, I've seen it talked about on various news outlets. But you're exactly right. The um, cause of death being something other than COVID-19. So, you know, the COVID numbers are getting fudged. First of all, like, to whose benefit? You know, right. you have to think why, about, like, yeah. why would that? Like, there's no, like, purpose for that conspiracy. And second of all, um, remember that if anything is getting exaggerated or, like, blamed on COVID-19 for, like, when really they're dying for some other purpose, COVID-19 either way was still the trigger for their death. Mm-hmm. Just like if someone's allergic to something and they eat something that they're allergic to, like, they they don't get they blamed don't... for having the allergy, right? right. It, it was because they ate the peanuts that they were allergic to that they died. Right. So... Anyway, there's our uh, political discourse for the week. It's well, it's more medical discourse, but, it's but it's medical impor- political. It's, discourse. it's actually something that I learned in that exhibit. Mm-hmm. That cause of death is a very, you know. It's. I mean, I guess the other thing that you learn as a scientist is that everything is subjective. Even facts are a little bit subjective. And I have to be careful well, with that because people are, are going to go, oh. There are objective truths, but everything can be subjective. The way You that can make you, something subjective the, if you want to. The way that you, like, share or interpret something is subjective. Yeah. And so anything... How you want to... How you choose yeah. to... What you choose to do with the information Right. Is so subjective. numbers aren't, but the way you choose to, like, convey it is. And so that's why, like history is a version of the truth and, and you know historical quote-unquote facts are not the same as like numerical facts yes and i want to also this makes me think about something um i saw uh the trump administration post the um recent economic charts mm-hmm. i think it, this was like oh, this is a while ago it was like at the onset of covid mm-hmm. with no axis axes labels. Oh, I remember that. Zero axes yeah. labels. Which means you're just looking at a chart. You don't know what the values are. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the chart even is depicting. Mm-hmm. Like is this what is this? Is this time? GDP is over this, time? Yeah. What is this? And you know, there was just so I mean it was this was the published mm-hmm. piece of work. Yeah. It's like Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I remember, like, the backlash and response. People were like, what is this? Like, you can't claim anything is better or improved or higher if there's no access. Right. Like, that's how you ground your information, right. you know? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, anyone looking at a chart for the first time, if they're not used to looking at a certain chart, mm -hmm. is like, what is this? For example, your oxygen isotope curve. Mm -hmm. You could say something like, well, what do you mean? It's going up. And you're like, the y-axis is reversed. Yeah. Yeah, that actually happened today. That happened today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Shall we play a game? Let's play a Let's game. Play. <laughs> Damn it, you beat me too. <laughs> um, what do we call this segment again? Game, game time. What game is the night? game? I, I, game we don't time. know. Um, well, for our new listeners, just turning, just just tuning in. Damn it. Um, we end up with a little like. Uh, you explain it, Z. I can't speak right now. <laughs> I can't remember what the game is. <laughs> oh, I was just going to explain, like, the segment in general. We do, uh, like, we, a... wa we wanted to do a One's Gotta Go, where we pick a topic, and we pick certain things within that topic, and we have to decide. One of them can no longer exist on the face of the earth, and we gotta decide which one that's gonna be. Yes. Well, now we've decided but... we can't think of so many One's Gotta Go's, and there's some other things that we'd like to do that are kind of fun, that we feel like is... Yeah, I no. mean, we'll, like, debate a meme or a ranking or something like that. Just something uplifting or funny or ridiculous so that we don't end just on murder and misery. So this week, we have picked out a bunch of shows that are on Netflix or Hulu or HBO. So they're all streaming platforms. Um, and there's more than four this time. We usually do four, but why not? What the hell? Let's be a little wild. We're going to do, uh, like, seven. Ready? Yep. Ozark. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I was... Okay. Uh, Ozark, Mindhunter, Sharp Objects, The Sinner, Breaking Bad, Fargo, the TV show, not the movie, and The Outsider. Wow. So, we don't have to go through each one as in detail this time, because there's so many, and that would take forever. Yes. So, let's... Let's, um... And also, let's not give any spoilers, because in case someone wants to watch this, these are great shows, so you should definitely go watch it. And we promise right now, like, you don't have to stop listening. So... We won't give anything away. There's there's one thing I want to clarify. Fargo is season one. Yes. We did not watch season two. I know season three is coming out, so we might give it another try. But yes. season one is the one that matches the plot of the movie. And to me, that's, that's like, just such a captivating... That's, that's the, plot. uh... Legit... Fargo. Yes. It's the one that's like, quote unquote, based on a true story. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, we can start with Fargo if you want, since we're talking about Amazing. It. Amazing. Would recommend. Love it. If you want to learn about the Midwest <laughs> and what it's like to live that's in the Midwest. Minnesota, right? Yeah. Um, in North Dakota? It's both, because they, yeah, they, they drive cross back and forth. Bemidji and Fargo. Well, I think Bemidji's also, you know what? I got my computer right here. Uh, pull up a map, Z. That's your absolute favorite thing to do. Pretty sure Bemidji's also in Minnesota. Isn't Fargo in North Dakota? I think, I think it's on the border. Okay. Well, we'll find out. Do, I'm pretty do, sure it's do, on the border. Do, 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 oh, shoot. Do, 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 I didn't, do, I didn't do, do this right. Do, 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 do. That's my uh, waiting music. Um, okay, Martin Freeman is in Fargo. He's excellent. I never would have thought that British Martin Freeman would be such a bomb Minnesotan, but he kills it. He yeah, nails that accent. God, the accents are... If you want to watch it just for the accents, it's, it's worth, worth it. it. Sacramento. 
I'll get there. <laughs> Trust me, I know what I'm doing. We can't just, like, enter the place. We no. always have to start with, like, a base map and scroll there. This is how you get good at reading maps. This is how... <laughs> See, look, yeah, Fargo's on the border. Because uh, my one of my lab members is doing research in Fargo. Oh. Because they're doing a whole uh, water diversion project that's worth, like, $10 million or something. And my lab is thinking that maybe it's better to develop elsewhere and not have to spend $10 million on a water diversion project. Well, uh, da. Anyway, uh, there's Duluth. That's what I was thinking of. Duluth, Duluth was on, on the lake. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bemidji's well, also in Minnesota. So it's pretty much all Minnesota, Fargo but Fargo's on the board. show. <laughs> That's our new geography segment where you get to learn about a new city in our union. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Every week, we'll feature a small town city in America. Just kidding. Have you ever heard of Bemidji? Nope. Nope. Uh, well, you will if you watch Fargo. We're doing a terrible job of covering what these shows are about. We're at that stage right now in our podcast where we're like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Um, uh, Bagheera's asleep. Okay. He, oh, baby. He's so cute. He said, I'm out. He did. Um, okay, what's great about Fargo? The acting, I would say. The acting, uh, the, the story, the plot's amazing. The plot's amazing. Um, that little shing shing. The music? Yeah. yeah. You know when they do the shing shing? Yeah. If you, I mean, you, you only know if you watch it. Yeah. Go watch it. It is on Hulu? <sighs> no, it's on I'll Netflix. Check. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. Uh, it's definitely not on Netflix. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. I, I bet you $100. Are you serious? Yes. Please hold. We're it's on, on Netflix. Check. Are you sure? Fargo. Netflix. What? Girl, what is he talking Since about? What, okay. Are we, we watched it on, on Netflix. No, we didn't. We, we watched did it on it? Hulu. Z, look, look at right now. I'm going to search. Ah, I dropped my phone. Okay. Look. Do you see it? Where is it? Fargo. We watched it on Hulu because I remember I had to set up my Hulu account so that we could watch it. Because my Hulu is tied to my Spotify and the way my bank account is set up. Like, I had to go through all this stuff. Oh, it's on Netflix in the UK? How the hell does that work? Yeah, we, we definitely don't get it. It says it's on Netflix. But it's not. Not in this economy. You decide, listeners. <laughs> no, there is no deciding. It's a fact. It's not on Netflix. It's a non-objective fact. I oh, mean, here we I go. I mean, it's a non-subjective fact. Damn it. Okay. Uh, Breaking Bad. One of the best of all time. I think that might be, like, one of my favorite shows ever. It's incredible. It's so good. Like, the plot is so good. Let me tell you, Walter White. The acting, the casting, amazing. Like, you hate so many people in that show, and that's just exactly what, what you're supposed to. You know, like, you feel exactly about the characters as they wanted you to feel. They're also very real people. Yeah. They feel like people you've probably met before. I mean, we see all the time, we'll see somebody, and we'll be like, oh, he's a Hank. Oh, oh yeah. That's such a Marie. Or, yeah, she's a Marie. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I love that show. I've, I've rewatched it a couple times now, and no matter what, there's always something new to pick up, and it gets better and better. Like, as it, it goes It could have gone on forever. <laughs> it, it honestly could have just kept... It would have never gotten old. Yeah, I mean, like, 
the as the seasons progress the show gets more exciting and that's so rare because usually you're like all right like end it now and this is not like that um it's kind of like game of thrones game of thrones could have gone on forever and then they ruined it and then they they killed it killed it oh my they're goodness. like hey do you guys want to see some terrible shit everyone what do you not want to happen okay we'll make sure that happens what would be really stupid if we did it all right that's what we're Sweet. gonna do that's a wrap um all right the sinner very nice <laughs> very nice very nice delicious well done um the sinner is i think there's only two seasons out but each season is totally different it's one mm -hmm. of those shows where they don't have like the repeat cast or the same like overarching plot so each season is like oh it's like fargo right where yeah. each season is its own little story although fargo the seasons tie in with each other a little bit they do they do Oh. Because there's like hinting in each oh, season right. as to okay. the other season. Right, right. Like, oh, remember what happened in so and so? Okay, so this is an anthology. Right. Because um, they're not related. But it's. There's only one recurring character. It's the detective, and he solves these crazy cases. So, what it is, is the very first episode, you watch like a crime. A crime? <laughs> an event happen that is a crime. Um, and so you think you see how it happens. And then the entire rest of the season is this detective trying to solve the case, and it turns out to be not what actually you saw. So you watch it happen well, a certain way. What you and saw definitely happened, but the the reasons and why what happened happened. Right, and like so, for example, like if you witness a murder, and you're like, okay, that that's the murder. Like this person shot the other person. Done. End of story. Like, what's the story here? And then it turns out to be, like, a totally more complex background. There's some mind games going on. And so, so even though you saw it all, you're watching the whole thing unfold. And so you're constantly, like, rethinking and doubting what your eyes saw. And you're rethinking cool. and doubting how you should perceive, how you should uh, judge certain people in the show. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Sharp Objects is next. That's based on the Gillian Flynn book. This is good. It's good. I don't think it's great. Um, wow. So we're just ready to write that one off from the first minute. I mean, think about this list It's here. with Amy Adams. Um, the depiction of the South is pretty great. It's sometimes hard to watch. Because it's so heavy. That's, what, that's like, what's yeah. good about it. Yeah. But, it, but it's... I mean, you... I think that's the only show ever... Besides maybe Mindhunter, which is also on this list, that I would only watch one at a time because it was so depressing. Like, they capture just this horrible vibe so well. Or yeah. just like, oof, I need to go, like, do something nice. Um, but it's good. It's on HBO, also. Mindhunter. Oh, I love Mindhunter. And in fact, they're supposed to come out with the third season, but they haven't because I of know. COVID, I believe. It's or on, there's it's some... On, like, an indefinite hiatus, which scares me. Yeah, that's scary. But if you're into true crime, you have it's to a must watch. If, if you're into true crime, if it's... serial killers fascinate you, or that like the history of crime solving, true crime, um, and because when this show starts, they don't even know what a serial killer is. They have and to define what a serial killer. Yeah. During the course of the show. Amazing. And like they come up with profile, like how to put together like a profile for a, a killer. So good. Uh, really heavy also though like also, it definitely kept me up at night they have 
in, they have numerous there are numerous instances where you are kind of face to face with a serial killer i mean it's an actor playing a serial killer oh. and you're having you're oh. basically just listening to a conversation yeah. with a serial killer you do these um or they do these interviews like in prison interviews with obviously like the depiction of the serial killer so it's not the real person but i mean they do um ed, ed kemper ed kemper charles manson uh, the son of sam killer uh, I think his name is Do they Jared do Richard Bruno. Speck, too? They do Richard Speck. Oh. Like all of these, like, heavy hitter murderers that you never want to see or hear from ever. Like, you come face-to-face with them in the show, and the actors do a really good job. So it's worth watching. And it's great that. because if you're really into murder or serial killers, you're kind of out, you're kind of wondering who are they going to talk talk to, who are they going to interview next? Yeah. Like, who are we going to, you know. Who are we going to have to see? Yeah. Because um, it's it's pretty realistic. They, yeah. It's chilling. They definitely spent some time and thought about who they were going to cast for these place, uh, parts. And I hope, I'm hoping that's why there's a little bit of a hiatus, that they want to find the right person to uh, depict whoever's next. Yeah. If you had, if you had to pick who they were going to interview next, who would it be? Um, I'm surprised there has been no Ted Bundy yet. The timing might not align. Right. But... That would be interesting. Although, he's a little overdone. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, Ozark. Oh. Also, in my opinion, one of the best ever. Yes. Um, Jason Bateman, also in this. Great job. He's so good at serious roles. Like, he... Yes. I knew him, like, from comedy until recently. Yeah. Um... I will say their second season took a little bit of a drop-off. Like, it was kind of boring, I thought. But season three, they came back with, like, an amazing season. Yes. So if you're, like, if you started it and you like season one, but season two is kind of, like, eh for you, keep Push watching. Because, oh my god. Yeah. There's some, like, twists and turns in season three. And all of, like, the shock factors that you want out of these dark shows are there. I want to give a shout out to whoever the actress is who plays Ruth. Ruth is amazing. Wow. And that's not even, like, uh, we saw her in a different show, doing a totally different accent. Oh, Dirty John. Oh, yeah, she's, she's in Dirty John. She's in Dirty John, and she plays a totally different role mm-hmm. and also kills that. Yeah. So she's amazing. Uh, but Mindhunter and Ozark are both on Netflix, just in case we want to watch. And then last but not least, we have The Outsider on HBO. That's a fun one. I think that might be my one that's got to go. Really? Yeah, because... It gets a little ridiculous? It gets a little ridiculous for me. I loved, loved episode one. I was like, oh, I love what they're doing. I thought he was going to be a serial killer. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, like, what is this um, backstory? It is a little out there. And you're right. And it, I will, it might be me because I'm not a fantasy or sci-fi person at all. Like, the moment there's anything that's a little bit too, like, out of left field, I'm like, oh, okay. And it's just hard for me to stay engaged. And so, like, the second half of the season, series, whatever, I was a little bit over it. Like, I still yeah. watched and was into it. But as soon as there were, like, monsters, <laughs> I was not. As into it. It was 
it did it was scary it was scary which i liked especially in the beginning before you knew what was going on it was terrifying but you're right but once i knew it was monsters which is not a spoiler because they tell you pretty early that it's monsters yeah but you don't know if it's actually going to be a monster or not you're always doubting whether or not it is or isn't and even at the end you're like what was that um it was good. Like, I, I really liked it. It was, I would recommend it. It's great. But if I have to pick one from this list to go, it's The Outsider. Well, the reason why I'm leaning towards sharp objects, I don't even remember what the freaking plot is. Oh, well, I can't tell you because I don't <laughs> well, that, that's, that's what, like, makes me think that it's, so, can't be that good. Why I ha- oh, you loved it. Like, I did like it, but I'm saying it, it's not as memorable as these other ones. Really? Okay, for me, I didn't sleep the night that I finished that show. Like, the, the day that I watched the season finale, I, like, I couldn't sleep. Because all I could think about was how horrifying it was. And I read the book, so I knew it was coming. But the way they, like, dropped the, like, final plot twist on you is, like, so jarring. Yeah. Now that I... We just paused we the just podcast. Paused and, I, and I told him what Sharp Objects was about. Now that I remember the plot, which I don't know how I forgot. Right? There's so many things in that. It's better than... It's better than... The Outsider? The Outsider. Yes. It is. Woo! I'll just say this. Munchausen's by proxy. If that interests you, then you must go watch Sharp Objects. Or read the book. Like, if you like reading true crime... Uh, not true crime, sorry. If you like reading, like, crime or mystery novels... Go read Gillian Flynn's Sharp Objects. It's so good. It's probably the last book I read in its entirety. If you're curious what Munchausen by proxy is, it's a mental health problem in which a caregiver makes up or causes an illness or injury in a person under his or her care. So if you want a really good example of that, there's a documentary about Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Mm -hmm. Mommy Dead and Dearest. Mommy Dead and Dearest. Check it out. Yeah. It's wild. It's so, ew, it's so gross. Yeah. But so fascinating. Fascinating in a, like, very messed up way. Um, okay, so wait, did we come to a Oh, yeah. Consensus? I mean, it, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. That, I knew it was going to come down to. Mm-hmm. Those two? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't get rid of any of the others. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Sweet. Okay, can we just end really fast with a positive yeah best part of your week as we always do best part of my week it's gotta be these glasses oh yeah oh yeah shout out to your mom for these beautiful wine glasses yeah it, it, it is uh what would you call these style of stemless wine glasses stemless wine glasses mm-hmm. and there's a little message it says look it up yourself dot 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 that's our um if you haven't caught on yet little catchphrase. Catchphrase. The other one is uh, English is my first language and also my worst language. It is. (laughs) Did I authorize that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. No, these were awesome to receive in the mail. So thank you so much to your mom. Yes. Thank you. Um, Also, uh, oh, our backyard. Oh, yeah. It's great. You mowed the lawn. Yes. You bought a lawnmower and it's starting to look like kind of nice out there or not nice but it's starting to look like it's, you could see how it could be nice you're starting to see how it's usable <laughs> yeah i'm starting to we begin to there. think about falling in love with you 
No, no. It's, it's from The Bachelor. It's from The Bachelor. The Bachelorette. No, yeah, The Bachelorette. Um, Hannah Brown season. Luke is like trying to uh, make a move, and he's like trying to tell her I'm in love with you, but he says it's starting to feel like I'm beginning to think I'm about falling in love start, with you. What was it? I'm thinking that. Wait, what? What do you say? I'm beginning to start to fall in love with you. Was that it? Yeah. We probably, it's probably not even, like, that good, but we just always make fun of it because he's trying to have this grand gesture, and it's like, why even say that, bro? Why bother? Um, we, oh, we'll put the clip on our Instagram so we don't have to yeah, look for yeah, it now. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. But we'll, we'll put that on either our story I'm or on our Instagram. to start to fall. No, was it? Our backyard is beginning to start to look like it someday could look nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. See you next week. Like subscribe, smash that like button, cast box or Spotify. And, uh, we're murder grads on Instagram. Yep. See ya. Same time next week. Or not. (laughs) Or not. Or Thursday or Wednesday. Look it up yourself. Bye. Bye.